Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Today I want to speak about contentment. The title of my sermon is, It Is What It Is, a sermon on contentment. Let's open the Bible together. There's two verses that I want to read. Let's start in the book of 1 Timothy. Paul's writing to young Timothy, and he says this, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. What a warning. It says, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and they have pierced themselves with many pangs. One translation says they have pierced themselves with many sorrows, many griefs. Paul also addresses this subject of contentment to the Philippians. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, he says this, Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. He says, in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Interesting context to hear that famous verse. Today, I want to speak to you about committing the state of your heart to contentment in Christ. Committing the state of your heart to contentment in Christ. And my hope is through these words that I will be able to uh, equip you, the saints, for uh, the work of the ministry with a conviction that can carry you through adversity. I hope to equip you with a conviction that can carry you through the adversities, the trials, the tribulations, the rhythms, moments in life. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, we ask you to come right now, and as I speak, will you speak to your people whom you love? You want to help us find direction. You're going to correct us. You're going to encourage us. And God, I pray that you are going to challenge us. So speak to your people that we might be awakened. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have you ever used the phrase, it is what it is? It's sort of like a, uh, a verbal shrug. It is, what can I do about it? It is what it is. It's, it's, um, sometimes it's, it's a sort of resigned acceptance. Sometimes it's tinged with hope. Lately, I've been hearing a lot of people using this phrase. I'm hearing it all over the place. I went on a trip and I was hearing it over there in another part of the country. I'm in a coffee shop. Two guys walk in and they say it is what it is and I'm trying to figure out, am I hearing this because of God or, or am I just hearing this because, you know, when you start thinking about what you're hearing, you know, when you focus in on something, you begin to see that, hear that everywhere. You know, if you're looking at a certain car to buy, you see that car all over the road. Lately, I have been hearing it is what it is everywhere. And I've been considering why I'm hearing this phrase so much. I think part of it might be coming from the fact that people are trying to cope with the difficulties of the circumstances they're finding themselves in. Many people are trying to um, 
get their arms around the fact that they lost a lot of control in their lives and in the nation, in the whole world, in this past year. And in order to come to that place where they can accept it, they're verbalizing it. It is what it is. As they're trying to navigate their way through difficulty, navigate their way forward, they are speaking into existence this phrase. It is what it is. But it's a, it's a great question. How do we accept reality and simultaneously pursue change? How do we accept that we are not in control, but still hope for the future, push towards something better? How do we accept who we are, yet know that God has better for who we are to become? I believe the word we're searching for the word this phrase is leading us to, like a lighthouse illuminating a direction, the word is contentment. It's a concept that I believe every Christian needs to have an understanding of and engage with in their heart and in their life. Contentment, the ability to have internal peace in imperfect circumstances. When Paul wrote those verses to the Philippians, he wrote them from prison. So amazing. He's writing these words from a cell, and he says to them, hey, I want you to know, concerning me being in need, he, he, he says, I have learned, I have learned the, the, the secret. I've learned the key. I've learned to be content. He, he, he's, he's matured into this. He's grown into this. He's gone through so many extremely difficult circumstances that he has come to a point in his life that he can be sitting in prison and encouraging us, encouraging the church, saying, you know what, though? I've learned to be content. See, Paul, just like the New Testament Christians, they were under difficult circumstances. They had to fight through uh, some sticky situations. They, they, they lived under Roman rule, and that Roman rule was certainly oppressive to them. On the other side, in religion, you had the Pharisees who, who were elitist in their thinking and, and took the law, and they used the law as a weight against God's people. And of course, not only did they rise up against Jesus, they hated Jesus' followers. And, and, and on, on the other side, the culture that people lived in, the culture that Paul lived in, was radically godless. They were, they were anti-Christ in almost every facet you can imagine. Morals, ethics were so underdeveloped in Roman times that, that, that you would be living in what looks like ancient Babylon. You'd be living in what looks like the days of Noah. You were living in, in, in a society filled with sin, and Paul, on top of all that, is here in prison, but he's got a secret. He's got a conviction. He's got something that he learned, and he's passing it on to the church in Philippi. He's saying, I I've learned to be content. It is what it is but I'm still going to trust in God. Paul had to make that statement. The Christians living in the New Testament, they had to personify that statement. It is what it is. Can't change the Roman Empire. Can't change godless society. Can't change the Pharisees. But I'm still going to trust God. I'm still going to pursue God. Maybe you feel like you're in the midst of a situation in your family, your work, 
It seems like you're beset on all sides with difficulty between a rock in a hard place. Like the early New Testament Christians, maybe it's getting increasingly more difficult for you to live out your faith and freedom. It is what it is, but I'm still going to trust in God. See, the point I'm trying to make is that Christ can manifest contentment in you despite the circumstances surrounding you. Christ can manifest contentment in you in your character, in your mind, in the depths of your being, despite whatever difficult circumstances are all around you. He's been doing this in the lives of Christians for 2,000 years. Because the truth is, you will face evil in this life, but you can determine how you are going to face that evil. Think of the great the great literary work, Fellowship of the Rings, written by Tolkien. And in it, he, he speaks through Frodo about the coming evil, the coming shadow that was, that was coming on the land of Middle-earth. And, and Frodo says, I wish it need not have happened in my time. It's a sentiment that many people that have lived through difficult seasons, dark ages, world wars, could speak. I, I wish... All this didn't happen in my time. So do I, said Gandalf, and so do all who live to see such times. But that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that has given us. We are going to face difficulties, trials and tribulations, as the Christians and the leaders before us have. Society Disappointments, difficulties may come, but they are not the ultimate determinants of our internal reality. They may come, but they do not have a say over our soul. They have no authority over your inner being. For your soul and your spirit already have a master, and his name is Jesus Christ. And through Christ, in Christ, by Christ, he can begin to create contentment in our heart, even though circumstances are chaotic all around us. Even in a loss of control. Even in, not, in a moment of not knowing which way to go forward. Christ knows. Christ leads. Christ walks with you. And he can make you content even in crisis. Even in lack. Even in chaos. You might be saying, well, how is this possible? How is it possible to personify contentment in my life? Paul gives us the answer. He says this, in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger. He's, he, he's, he's saying, I know how to have abundance and need. What, what Paul is saying is there's a width to this. That in good times and bad times, in prosperity and challenges, he says, here's the secret. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. The point is to consistently come to Christ and ask him and allow him to cultivate a character of contentment in you. Christ can do this deep work 
Christ can get on the inside and begin to mature, begin to grow. I love that, that Paul even says, hey, I've learned the secret. Who can teach you this secret of contentment but Jesus Christ? Those of you that have gone through recovery, those of you that have come out of addiction, maybe you've gone to an AA meeting, you've heard the serenity prayer prayed at those meetings. And it's a famous prayer. It goes like this. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. You know, what that prayer is stating is as you move your trust off yourself to Christ, he's going to lead you in courage. He's going to lead you forward into freedom, into health, into newness, despite the difficulties that do not go away, but do not have to own you. What am I saying? I'm saying that contentment is a characteristic of Christ, and it can become a characteristic of his children as well. I'm talking about the internal you. I'm talking about the inside that nobody sees. There is a part of God's promise that you can receive contentment on the inside. See, contentment is not an issue only for those who do not have enough, that lack, that are in need. See, some of the most discontent people in the world are also those with the most things, with the most stuff, with the greatest wealth. Because see, discontent, discontent within cannot be satisfied from anything without. Contentment within cannot be created from anything without. Contentment must be developed, matured, cultivate, cultivated within you from the spirit of the living God. One of the areas that that this always comes into conflict with is our area of our finances. It's very difficult to be truly content in our finances. This is where we would agree with the sermon, the concept. We would agree like, hey, we want it to be, you know, we want to live a good, solid, steadfast life. But the reality is many times we think the way to get there is through wealth. The way to get there is by getting more. When, when I even say the word contentment, what do you picture? Beautiful beach, free of all people, all for yourself, stunning oversight, beautiful mansion behind you. What do you picture contentment? Many times what we picture is connected with a wrong perception of what brings contentment. The reality is our finances cannot provide contentment in our hearts. So it's a challenge then for us as Christians to be content with what we have. I remember they asked the, um, John the Baptist, they said, what is it that you have to teach us? And one of the things John the Baptist said, be content with your wages. Nobody, nobody preaches that, that side of John the Baptist. Content with your wages. It's so simple, yet it's so difficult. This is in the word of God from a great prophet where he's saying there's a way to live which is greater than the way the world provides to be content with what you have. First Timothy, Paul writes to the young man and he says, young Timothy, godliness with contentment 
That is great gain. But godliness with contentment is great gain. What is Paul doing? He's challenging this young leader. He's saying recalibrate your mindset. Recalibrate your definition of success. Recalibrate your definition of favor, of prosperity. Godliness with contentment, that's what's great gain. That's what being blessed is. That's what prosperity is. And so he, he says, I need for you to change your thinking away from what you've seen, what you've used to think, what the world around you personifies, and I need you to, to enter into a different way of thinking. Recalibrate your definition. I brought my uh, espresso machine. I have an espresso machine. My wife and I have been getting into coffee lately, and, and I brought it to the, the church because wanted to have more coffee in my life, and I'm really, I'm really growing in this area. I'm watching a lot of YouTube videos on how to make a good espresso. But the, so my wife suggests, hey, bring it to the church, try it out, see if you like it there. And, and so I've done that. The only problem is my wife is the one that knows how to make espresso. I, I thought I knew, but when I've had to do it alone, I've, I've, I've come to terms with the fact that I don't know what I'm doing. So I'm watching videos on how to make a good shot, and, and part of the process is that with every new type of beans that you get, you have to recalibrate the machine. And this is complicated. I mean, the amount of grams of coffee beans that you use matters. How much pressure goes through the system, how hot the water is, what kind of water you use matters. How much pressure you put when you, when you tamp down the coffee before you're going to make the espresso and how long the espresso shot drips for uh, 20 seconds to 30 seconds, but not 35 seconds. All of these things I'm having to learn to dial in this espresso machine. I wasted a whole bag and I still have yet to make a good cup of coffee. I didn't realize that you had to be a chemist in order to make a good espresso for all of the elements to be combined well for there to be success. What, 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 I, what I got in the middle of my frustration is um, success doesn't come easy. you you got to combine the elements correctly. What Paul is saying to young Timothy is saying, hey, listen, I need for you to recalibrate your process here. I need you to dial this thing in. I need for you to combine the right elements because the world has a definition and a way of success that will not be yours. He's saying, so, so focus in now. Work on this thing now. Go through trial and error. Grow in this area. And here's the elements that I want you to combine. I want you to combine godliness and contentment. And that equals prosperity. Even in the church, this is still radical. Wait a minute. I thought money equaled prosperity. I thought promotion equaled, pro I, I thought having no lack, no difficulty. I thought those were the things I was trying to dial in. And he says, no, no, I, I want you to dial in godliness, which, which looks like pursuit of God, which looks like humility, which looks like forgiveness, which looks like loving people. I want you to take godliness and I want you to pair that with contentment, which is satisfaction, which is gratitude. When you put those things together, that's going to make you blessed. That's going to bring you into prosperity. This is completely opposite the world's way. This is, this is still radical all these years later. 
The world's equation for success is selfishness plus prideful ambition equals you getting what you want. And, and, and the world says, now, now go after that. Hustle in that way. Live after that life. It's completely and totally about you. And, and our young people, they really are personifying this. Their goal in growing up is to be a TikTok star, a YouTuber, or just all around generally famous. And, 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 and all these things are creating a shallow society. All of these things are creating kids that are filled with anxiety. They're filled with a disregard of self. They certainly have no contentment. And it's not just their fault. It's got to be on us, too for celebrating the wrong things that now they are orienting themselves towards because you get what you celebrate. Parents, you get not just what you correct, you get what you celebrate. And so our society celebrates everything but contentment. Celebrates everything but being thankful, grateful, okay with what we have. Our society... The world is designed for dissatisfaction. The world's designed even for disunity. Social media, the way they make money, it, it, it's, it sits on division, disunity, dissatisfaction, emotion, the things that get clicks. Can you imagine if the world had to market to satisfied people? Our malls would have to close very quickly. How many things in the world, upgrading our phone to whatever number iPhone is on now. It wouldn't work if we could get deeper in our levels of contentment. I'm not here to vilify marketing and I'm not here to vilify capitalism. What I'm here to say is as a Christian, as a young leader, as a father, a mother, we've got to find a better way. We've got to find a better process because what the world is producing continually is bad. Every single cup of coffee I made, it was a bad espresso. It's because the elements they combine are incorrect. But hear me, we as Christians, we want to dial in on God's word. We want to get involved with God's people. This is why you need a good community. You need a good church. And Paul says, here's why I want you to engage in a different process. I want you to become godly. I want you to become like Christ. I want you to know his words. Read through the Sermon on the, on the Mount. Read through the crucifixion and the resurrection. Read through the Psalms and the Proverbs. Begin to dial in and get the heart of God on you. Become, become godly in your pursuit. And, and now add to that thankfulness and gratitude and contentment. And, and, and what does Paul say? That is being blessed. That's prosperity. That's truly living in freedom. See, the world has a problem. And its problem is that it continually desires more. But you know the problem with more is it's never enough. More is never enough. No matter what you gain, the desire for more will only increase. It's like drinking seawater. It'll only make you more and more thirsty. Because an internal state cannot be answered 
or satiated by external things. In order for us to engage contentment in our soul, we have to go to the one that designed our soul and say, God, how does this process work? What is the wise way for us to live? Luckily, his word has wisdom. The writer of Proverbs in this prayer says this to God. God, give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. What's he saying? He's saying, God, give me what I can handle. And I've had this personal prayer in my life that just kind of has been coming out of my spirit the past few years. As you see people all around you faltering and failing, and I've begun to pray as a pastor, God, bless me with the blessings I can handle. Give me the success that won't turn into a curse. What I'm echoing is what the writer of Proverbs said. Lord, give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. It's brilliant. He's saying, God, I don't want to have too much and forget you. Move away from you. Disown you as if I say I, I did this myself. I made me. I made it happen. I got out there. I hustled. I work. And, and I forget the blessings of God. The Bible says, forget not his blessings. He says, no, I, but Lord, take care of me enough that I'm not in poverty, that I'm not poor and I don't have to steal. I don't want to dishonor your name. Saying, God, will, will you bring contentment and care for me? Lord, bless me with the blessings I can handle. Because see, without contentment active, God's blessing will inevitably, inevitably become a curse because there will never be enough. But with contentment active, now God can take his rightful place, move you into your calling, move you into the right position that's different from other people that you can handle at this time and season of your life. And he'll bring blessings and honor, but it won't look like the world. You might not be conventionally blessed by the world's standards, but their blessings turn into curses. I want to come over here with God and say, Lord, teach me your ways. For the path to contentment is laid with bricks of sacrifice, bricks of gratitude, forgiveness, humility, and love. It's the way of Christ. It's the way of Christ. It personifies his character and his qualities. Jesus says, I am that way. The Bible says there is a way that is righteous. It's good, but few find it. Few walk this path. It's unique. It's different. But it brings rest to your soul. I want you to know, you don't merely just choose contentment. You have to receive it. And you have to receive it consistently, continually from Christ. Paul says this in the letter to the Philippians. He says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Here's an old man at the end of his life that's telling us what truly matters. 
To live is Christ, and to die is gain. I pray that our desire is for Christ to be the cause of our contentment. Like St. Like Augustine said, may our hearts be restless, Lord, until they find rest in you. I pray you as a Christian, you as someone that's searching for truth, you as someone that is leaning towards God today, I pray you commit the state of your heart to Christ and the contentment that Christ cultivates. I pray you grow in this, that you follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, that you do not pursue the ways and rhythms of the world, that you might not have to come under their hand of blessing and favor, but you might be able to stay under the hand of continual blessing and favor in Jesus, which is perfectly calibrated to you. Jesus knows you, and he will lead you, and his timing is perfect, and his next step is the right step. I pray that you can put your trust and your courage in him, even in circumstances where it seems that Chaos is raging around you. Can I encourage you? Christ is in the boat with you. And at one word, at the right time, he will speak, peace, be still. Christ is in this life with you. That is where the source of contentment can come. We consecrate our lives to Jesus. We devote our works and our actions to Jesus. But what do we receive? We receive stability, thankfulness, contentment. I pray that this has you looking, living, and speaking different than those around you. I pray it gives you courage and boldness. Isn't it amazing that Paul uses this word contentment just like the Greek philosophers did, the Stoics. Paul's saying, I've learned how to become self-reliant. I've learned how to overcome. I've learned how to power through, but my source is not myself. My source is my Savior. My question for you today is, have you been living for too long in a state of dissatisfaction? Have you been living in divisiveness? Have you been living in disunity? Hear me, this is not what Christ gave his life for your life to look like. He gave his life that you might come into a brand new state. Have that change on the inside of you. I pray it even gets on your home. Comes into your marriage. I pray there's contentment in marriages in this church. People don't have to look elsewhere. People aren't looking twice. Because there's a spirit of contentment in the home. I pray there's contentment in your job. That there's a good attitude that you arrive on Monday morning with. That doesn't mean that you're not moving forward. I believe God will bless you. But whatever he does, let him do it. And when he does do it, give him the glory. Thanks for listening to the Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.